This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxying cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, www.l5rshop.com puts cards in your hands quickly and economically. This is Strange Assembly, episode 126, Renewal. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today are Jay Earl. Hello. And Mike Cook. Yep. And we are here to talk about a whole mess of goings-on in the world of Legend of the Five Rings, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about the actual game, but first we've had, let's see, what what announcements have we had in about the last week? First, they there were bans, and then half the story team quit, and they announced the Cote Season storyline, they announced the Eternity card MRP distribution. Have I left anything out of that? Uh, does, is the Kote story count in there in the storyline stuff? I thought I mentioned that, but yes. They, they now have the, the scoring system up for the, the Kote storyline thing. And of course, uh, we should take a moment to remind anybody that if you are in the Atlanta area or within driving distance of the Atlanta area, we are running the Atlanta Kote, which is on March 15th at the Wasteland Gaming. If you go to strangeassembly.com, one of the tabs in the menu at the top of our page will take you to the more detailed information on the, the, the Kote. Because it's in the first weekend of Kote, it's still Ivory Proxy legal because the actual Ivory Edition, I think the pre-release for Ivory Edition is on the 10th, and then the real release for Ivory Edition is something like the 24th. So cards that are from Ivory Edition itself can be proxied, but not other card like but but not everything randomly uh proxied. You can do that if you come to the random local tournaments, but but not the storyline events. Uh but yes, yeah, so CCG wise there were bans issued on well defended farm and exotic farmlands. Ironically for me or I guess it's probably just coincidental, not ironic. So, Alanis Morissette, ironic. Yes, Co- <laughs> coincidental. <laughs> I believe it's just Christian Turner. Love it. Oh, I hate that song so much. Oh uh, well, it's a, it's a shame too because the 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 album's actually an album is actually pretty good. Yeah, but yeah, co- coincidentally, I had put up on on Friday morning the on the cheap deck for the lion, which was Lion Ashigaru, and then they banned <laughs> the two main cards out of it that day. Basically, Well Defended Farm gives all of your Ashigaru plus one force. You also have Family Dojo that bows to give your followers plus one force. Well Defended Farm was just a, a blanket force bonus. Then... And then you have a variety of, of cheap and reasonably priced Ashigaru followers and even a, a personality or, or two if you, you want them. So 
the blanket force bonus that well-defended farm gave you made these guys really good. And then you topped it off by playing exotic farmlands, which for one card and three gold each lets you drop one force followers. Well, that becomes a lot nastier, and, and they were Ashigaru. And so that becomes a lot nastier if you have, say, two well-defended farms and a family dojo out, and all of a sudden, each of those... One force followers is really a four force follower. It, you could run it out of any clan, basically. It was just a question of which clan would have the best Ashigaru deck. Uh, it certainly wasn't unbeatable. I, I have to say, you know, usually I have an opinion pretty early on these things, but they, they banned it before I really, before I, I really made up my mind about whether or not they needed to do anything about it. So. What, what did you guys think of those uh, snipings? I never put the deck together myself, but even just looking at the components, I mean, all you have to do is play with Matter of Honor, because Matter of Honor has half of those cards. Uh, you can already start to see, wow. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why Lion tends to have, or at least from everybody I've talked to who's played it, Lion tends to have a much higher win rate than Crab does in that thing. I mean, obviously that's not constructed or whatever. But just even seeing what was happening in, like, a mildly constructed format, I could see how bad that would probably be. And any, honestly, I, I am of the opinion that if something is going to just make the environment unfun, it's probably best to get rid of it in some way. Yeah, yeah. I think one of one of the things that recited in the article about banning it was not not explicitly unfun, but just the... Like, it was going to be everywhere. Well, and that there are certain decks that had, like, very little chance against it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, or, there were certain chances that had very little chance against it. And then there were certain clans where you really didn't have a reason to play a military deck other than Ashigaru. Now, if you were one of those clans, you may be kind of sad that you don't have the chance to play Ashigaru because it was better than whatever your military option was. <laughs> Phoenix. But. Yeah. Even for those clans, your Ashigaru deck was going to be worse. Because they, I mean, you call it an Ashigaru deck, but it's not really an entire deck. It's a third of a deck, maybe. So it, it, it did matter what the other personalities were that your faction uh, could, could bring to bear. I, I mean, overall, I, I tend to favor the side of, uh, of banning things more quickly. I, I'd rather have, some card get removed from the environment because, you know, whatever, than have something hang around and do it. So I uh, I don't know if it was necessary in a strict sense, but I certainly have no problem with it. I, I don't feel sorry for all those people who took time to, like, to tune that deck, though. It always, that's the one thing that really stinks about whenever something has to get banned. Uh, well, yeah. I, There's a lot of time that, it, you know, just kind of went down the hole. Yeah, well, I had, yeah, I, I was going to be playing an Ashikaru deck at our, our tournament on, or well, I guess it would be more free play than tournament on Saturday, but oh well, what you gonna do? So on the on the story front, there's, I don't, I'm guessing these are linked, but I I don't know the what they're they're switching the weekly fictions to every other week instead of every week. And they will be doing uh, 
an interactive novel. I, I really, it's hard to have a, <laughs> and for me, it's hard to have an opinion on how that's going to work out in advance. Uh, it is sort of a, a wait and see, although it is a, it's kind of a shame that they're, they're cutting down the weekly of fictions to, to only every other week, although that may have something to do with the fact that, uh, Nancy Sauer is leaving, uh, Legend of the Five Rings and Seth Mason is leaving. So I, I think the active writing members of the story team is down to Sean Carmen, the lead writer, and then, uh, Robert Denton, uh, and the Fred's also there, but he doesn't write, uh, fictions. So, uh, did you guys have any thoughts on those subjects? Well, I mean, if nothing else, kudos for the interactive novel in, you know, trying something new, trying something, you know, sounds at least somewhat ambitious. That's always a good sign to me. Right, and given the colored history of the previous L5R novels, there's plenty of room for growth there. <laughs> I mean, uh, surely it can't, can't be as bad as that Kaneko one that had absolutely nothing to do with L5R. Is that the one with, like, the scorpion Nazis that he had to go around defeating? Something like that, that was basically a Kurosawa film, just with Kaneko as the main part. You know, I'm trying to, that might be the only one, the only one of the L5R novels that I have not read. Although, yeah, based I, on I what everyone said, I'm not missing best. anything. Yes. I, I read all of them except for the um, the stuff from The Winds. Like, I read the first one of those and I could never find the other ones until I didn't care. Yeah, Wind of War is the one that I have not read. And that is the, uh, the Okoto Kaneko one. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, and so that's, how many are those? There's, um, seven, like, 11 or 12 total. Cause there's, yeah, there's the original clan war, there's the original clan war cycle. And then there's the wind cycle, but there's also a, a prequel to the wind cycle. The, the steel throne. It's like, you know, prelude. Which is uh, Spirit Wars, basically, I think, is what is what the Steel Throne is. So. I like the Clan Wars series myself. Uh, yeah, no, no, I I like them. I mean, I, it's not like they're great high literature or something, but hey, I still have them. Whereas I have I have divested myself of all the you know lousy old say Star Trek novels I used to have. So. No, I mean, it's funny how some of that stuff is, like, still kind of good for just a light read. Like, you know, I used to love Dragonlance. You go back and read it now, it's it's not quite the same as what it was to you when you were, like, 13, but it's still, you know, pretty entertaining. That is correct. I have... Yeah, not everything has to be amazing literature. It's okay to just be, you know, a fun read. Uh, yeah, no, no, but yeah, I, I have I have the annotated, the annotated Chronicles. So I really liked Dragonlance, and I've got... Some sort of not as fancy version of the the Legends trilogy, Time of the Twins, Twins War of the Twins, Test of the Twins, whatever order they were in. But right. but yeah, they uh, oddly enough they are not as good as they were when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny how how things change, but I, I think for me, part of what it is with 
that is that I, I just don't have time like I used to. It's like I, it stands out more with video games where to me it used to be a great advantage to a video game if it took a lot of time. You could be like, oh, I spent 140 hours playing Final Fantasy X or whatever. That's a right. great value for my money. I, uh, now it'd be like 140 hours playing one game. That's like two years. I, right. I could finish that yeah. sometime in 2020. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and yeah, I think that's true, especially with the fast-paced society. But, I mean, a lot of times those 140-hour games, there there wasn't really content for all that. A lot of right. it was like, it was, you know, JRPGs where you're grinding a lot. Because I'm playing Bravely Default, and that's exactly what I'm doing. And it's oh, really weird because it seems like it wants you to grind. It even rewards you for grinding, but everything is super easy now. Oh, but it, so, it wasn't it wasn't even grinding. Oh no no, because Final Fantasy X, again, if I'm remembering my numbers correctly, that wasn't real grinding. That was playing Blitzball to like unlock yeah, Waka's ultimate ability or something. So I guess it's technically grinding, but uh, well, thankfully you only had to do like a third of the actual stuff that you could do to unlock it. <laughs> you could keep playing if you really wanted. <laughs> Anyhow, but it's it's not just fast-paced society. I mean, it's also wife and kids and this, actually. Well, and there's just so much... We're spoiled for so much good content. And now much more tolerant, enjoying of short things. Like, let me just take an example that if you, ha- if anyone who has not played it should go play Portal. It's just pretty short, but there was probably a time in my life when I would have balked at paying money for something that was so short, whereas now, for me, if I can get a full, rich, good experience from a game that just takes me, you know, six or eight hours to complete, that's fantastic. Yeah, um, that's like uh, last year you had Brothers and you had Gone Home, which are both like two to four hour games. Gone Home's like two hours and Brothers is like three to four uh, but they're fantastic, and that, that three or four hours is really, really good. Those those tend to be the things I like. It's the same thing with the board games. That's why I like the board games that take about 20 minutes to maybe like 45 minutes to an hour, rather than things that take three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 20, 20 is still filler. You can't really get a, an extensive uh, sort of experience in 20. But anyhow, I... I I think we were talking about L5R in there at some point. So, uh, we have, the, we, we have the storyline and, and how the points are going to work for Kote season now. They're calling the overall storyline event renewal and hey, what a coincidence. That was our episode title. And there are two aspects of it. The first one is earning glory points and you earn glory points. You earn one glory point for attending a Kote. Your your clan gets a glory point. If you make top eight, then you get another glory point. In addition to that point for top eight, if you get third or fourth, you get two points. Second, you get three points. And if you win, you get five points. Those last ones are not cumulative. So you get so if you win, you get the one for top eight and then the five for winning, but you don't get like the one for top eight and the two for getting top four and the third for, I mean, it's, it's specifically second place is three. And so the second place player earns a total of five. The winner earns a total of seven. 
Uh, and then there's four points for winning the honor contest. The clans then have the opportunity to essentially spend these rewards for the, the glory points for various rewards. They have prizes ranging from 100 to 1,000 listed on the, the L5R website. Additionally, everybody who wins the tournament gets to nominate one character from their clan who is going to become a minor fortune of one of the Bushido virtues or a guardian spirit at the Shrine of the Three Dynasties. And then what will happen at the end of the Kote season is that the Imperial Assembly members of that clan will get to vote for which one of those characters who was named becomes which minor fortune. Whoever has won the most Kote gets first pick. So the clans who win the last, uh, you know, the yes, least number we'll of Kote. Yes, you will get a guardian. Yes, you will get. I, yeah, I imagine you will get a guardian, uh, Jay. Sorry. Eh. I don't know who the eighth clan will be, but, and it is, it is wins. So that's more random than just deck strength, but still, I think you're going to get a guardian, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. So. Uh, I, I did a little analysis that's that's on the website. It went up on on Monday, which is yesterday as we speak now, and hopefully isn't too long like after less that. Than a week ago. Yeah, at this point. So because you're like, okay, how many points do you get? Like a thousand point, a thousand glory point prize. How many people are gonna get that? Because some of these are are pretty serious. The the thousand point prize is you. Occupy the lands of another clan. The 750 point prize is that you kill another a clan's family daimyo. People really like kill a guy story prizes. I'll, I'll tell you what. 500 points is win a crushing military or political victory over one of your clan's oldest rivals. 250 points is to get a hostage. 100 points is a hero of your clan defeats a rival in a duel. So I went back and I, I, took an old Kote season and said, well, how would the points have worked out for this, basically? And I, I chose, I did not do last Kote season because attendance was really bad last Kote season. And most of the points are from attendance. So that's that's the first thing to keep in mind, is there are, I think it's 1,512 points to be had from the winners of the various things and the top eights. The attendance points even if attendance is bad, the attendance points will be double that. So there's there's a lot of points to be had just for showing up. And the the way I, I went back and did it, if you if you do a a Kote season that has good attendance, so we'll say about four thousand people, then you probably end up with like any clan that is doing decently will hit the 500 point mark two years ago the first Kote season of Emperor Arc the two clans that did that would not have hit that 500 point mark were Spider and Crane and they were awful so again Jay yes we're going to win a duel <laughs> maybe well You'll do more than that. I don't, and there, it's kind of unclear how these work, and some of them may come and go, and we don't know how the voting is going to be, but yeah, so for, even a really badly performing clan would be able to get the win a duel and get a hostage, and like, 
you're not that far off of the 500. So, I mean, if, if things are balanced enough, you could end up with 500. I mean, the average is a little over 600. But, but on the flip side of that, really, you're, you're bottoming out at 450. 750 would be a really strong performance. You are unlikely, I, I think very unlikely to see more than two clans hit 750. There's a good chance it'll just be one clan hitting 750. I don't think anybody will hit a thousand. If a clan hits a thousand points, they are really, really running away with it. And to do that, they have to really, really run away with it through two different environments because and, partway and not, and, you know, save their bed and not spend it all halfway through. Yeah, yeah, there's, so there's the halfway through spend. I don't know how that works. I mean, if you spend halfway through, somebody might hit 500 halfway through. I mean, again, that means they're doing extremely well. Right. You'd, you'd think if they hit 500, they would bank it in the hopes of du- doubling down and getting to the 1,000. I would think that they would. I think you're more likely to have a clan get 500 in half than you are to have a clan get a 1,000 in a whole because the 500 at, at half is at least one single environment. One of the reasons it ends up a little bit more smooth than you might think is that when you add the environmental switch in there, usually there's usually there's clans going up and down uh, a little bit. So the best clan in the first half is often not the best clan in the second half. And, and so it, it evens out a bit. Uh, personally, given that I don't know what's up with the thousand, I don't think the thousand point prize is really achievable. And I'm not sure what it would mean to, to occupy the lands of another clan, but I really like the 500 point prize. Just, we get a crushing victory of some sort. I would much rather have that. To me, that is much more interesting than kill a dude. I, I may be in a minority amongst L5R players in that, but... Well, I, yeah, I think, I, I feel like that's going to be one that runs out pretty fast, because they're also uh, limited uh, by story team. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah at some point, they can just say, nope, we've already got enough of those. Yeah, they may or may not be limited, but... Well, the other thing is, I mean, you're, you're talking about enough of those, and they're talking about, oh, we may change them or remove them. Again, it in the first half of the Kote season, it is unlikely that anyone gets anything other than a 100 or 250-point prize. At most, there would be one clan doing extremely well that could get to 500, at most. Fair. So... Unless somebody does really well and then they, you know, spend it on that 500 point prize instead of shooting for something higher, because I think a clan will probably want to, even though I might choose to say like, no, I, I'd rather have the 500 than the 750. I think cl- I think many players will will vote to be like, no, let's take the 750 because if you're the clan that hits 500 in the first half, you're You've got a very good chance of hitting 750 by the end because you just need another 250, which means not sucking in the second half. But I also don't know how it's going to work out. Like when you get to the end, let's say when you get to the end and seven clans have 500 or more points. Let's say let's say two of them actually have 750. So you've got five clans that presumably will all want the 500 glory point prize. If that's not getting handed out five times. How do they determine who gets them? 
I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to find out. So, but I I think it's it's pretty interesting, and it's a way that lets everybody. It's set up so that everybody who is participating and everybody who is doing well is contributing in some way, both to the glory points and to the naming of people thing for the fortunes. But they are contributing in a way that does not make the story team write something new for every time. Because right, you, you don't end up with like fifty plus different things going on needing attention. Uh, yeah, right. Like so, for last year's Kote season, literally every single Kote was a potential kill a dude prize, <laughs> and 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 granted, those were lower level targets than family daimyo. But for this, there's going to be like one kill a dude prize handed out. So they do not because what what happened last year was there were so many of those kill a guy and take a hostage and whatnot prizes that half of them ended up not happening. I thought that was mostly just because of all the confusion that was going on that somebody got killed one week and then the next week had to have been alive still. and That was that was part of the problem. There was also literally occasions where the story team forgot that someone was supposed mm. to have been killed or... Right, it, it just generally weakened the benefit if, if it's happening twice a week uh, versus, you know, probably twice total if that... Yeah, well, and and theoretically, right, this is for a... Granted, again, this is a stronger version, but the thousand-point prize is occupy the lands of another clan. Now, that sounds like it might be the whole clan, so that is bigger, but one of the things that happened with last Kote season was supposed to be the whole taking territories, which has so far just not happened. Because every clan was taking a territory from somebody else. Generally, you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, w- you picked the wrong Kote season to be good. <laughs> I, I lost track. Didn't they take more land than we had? If you're assuming that the territories being taken were the are ones, were one in the previous year, or yeah, from the ma- from the, the colonies map, then yes, that would be more than you had. I I don't know if it was intended to literally be that. It's possible that it was, but it was written vaguely enough that it it wouldn't necessarily have to be. Basically, we're less Phoenix, more Pinata. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and again, I, I, I think that they realized that there would be a check on winning a lot, that that was going to happen, and that it would mean that clans that were doing really badly would not just get pummeled because they just wouldn't make the cut. But I do not think that they conceived of the possibility that a clan that was doing pretty well would just get smashed. So we'll we'll see if that ever happens. Uh, right? I mean, there's a there's a history of some sweeping it like under the rug, just not coming around. And hopefully, the smaller number of these out there for this Cote season will means that the things that do get picked will have more. Uh, of an impact. So I was surprised, though, that I thought the honor competition was going to have something to do with uh, the Iweko's daughter, because uh, like L5R love letter is a thing now, and she's the imperial princess that you're you're competing for her hand, and uh, and part of the prize for the honor event is a foil copy of L5R love letter. 
So I'm just going to throw it out there now. If anybody wins their Kote Honor events and, you know, doesn't really want their foil copy of L5R Love Letter, I will be happy to pay for shipping to send it to me. So Chris at strangeassembly.com in that event. Just drop me a line. So do you guys have any uh, other thoughts on the on the bands or the story or the Kote season before uh, we chatter about the environment? No, I guess not. I, I really hope there's at least some land occupying, just because there's so many ridiculous possibilities out of that. I, I think my favorite was some one of the cranes saying they wanted to occupy the crab lands because we need Yusuke War 4. No, we really don't. We really don't. That's why it amuses me. Is is I hope if that does happen, Sean instead is like, nope, you're occupying the Haruma territories. Good job, Crane. Well, they're not going to do that. I know. But it's also kind of unclear. Some of these are, are written about, I mean, it, it talks about there being a vote. Like, for example, the... For the 100 glory point prize is a hero of the clan defeats a rival in a duel. The nature of the duel and the clan identity of the losing clan will be determined by a vote. But that is... Poetry. Poetry contest. Rap battle. (laughs) Please no. But that... But that one specifically says it's a vote. If you you actually won the 1,000 glory point prize, which, like I said, I don't think anybody will... It doesn't say what happened. It just says, it says the clan that claims this prize will occupy the lands of another clan. The nature of the occupation will depend on the clans involved. It might be a military occupation or a mission of aid, but it will, right? I mean, I don't know if that is going to be put to a vote, but there are other things where it says it will be put to a vote. So I don't know if that's just going to be, well, if Crane wins, the story team will pick who it is. There are reasons for both of those, right? You could say, oh, well, no, the clan should get to pick, so if they actually manage to achieve this exalted plateau, you know, they should pick the thing that they think is most awesome. But I can also see the other right, point they'll, of... they'll pick silly. Yes, this well, is a, a huge, huge story effect, and so you just need to let the story team do it so it isn't stupid. No, no, it, it doesn't matter. Whoever whoever gets that is taking over the scorpion lands because we're kicking the scorpion back out to the burning sands. That worked so well the first two times. Uh, we can hope. <laughs> I don't know why I said we can hope. I don't know what I why I would hope that the scorpion or anybody got sent back to the burning sands. Well, we so can, can make that. a burning sands game. Exactly. That's why we're hoping that. Well, you can play Burning Sands. It's just called Romance of the Nine Kingdoms now. Yes. So they'll make another Romance of the Nine Kingdoms set with a scorpion in it to try to get some uh, players over. Ah. There is supposed to be an expansion of that coming because they owe people who kickstarted that because that that was wrapped up in the the Kickstarter for the gamers movie, and so some of the the prizes were getting to design a card, and most of those were not in the base set. So there is definitely supposed to be an expansion coming. Um, one of these days, I'll get that Thunderstone card I won. Anyhow, in the game, we might have Johnny on here in the near future, and he's really good at coming up with 
decks for situations where people think that they don't work. So I hope that he has a different opinion, a different solution. But it does seem like the Phoenix stink. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm pretty much counting on him to win the Atlanta Cote and show, so I can just steal his deck for the Cote I'm going to, because <laughs> I'm not seeing the deck. Which, which may be his Cote, because he's running it on, uh, he's running the Knoxville Cote on April 19th. Oh, is he the one running it? Yes. I hadn't, yeah. I didn't yes. realize that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, the two closest ones to us are Knoxville in April and then South Carolina in May. So, but Phoenix, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do. I guess, right, your your sensei theme is... Yeah, I mean, the the sensei theme is just too badly fragmented. It's, I mean, it's the traditional too, move, too many moving parts issue that they solved with, you know, the ancestors and the mantis spirits by giving you that buy one, get both threshold, but... With the Yojimbo not doing that, every time I play, like, half the games I play with that deck, I'm short one or the other early game, and so I'm way too slow. Yeah, and your main, yeah, and your your generic theme seems to be honor, because, right, it's Shugenja, but the, the elemental destruction, or whatever they're calling it this time around, is the second sensei theme. And then, so, you know, I guess your generic deck is the honor guys, but I really don't see how any honor deck can even come close to Crane when you'd go head to head. Like, the, I, I don't, I don't know right. who would have a viable honor deck right now other than Crane. Other right, Crane. Well, <laughs> right. I mean, not even ignoring the head to head. I don't see how anyone but Crane really has an honor deck right now, mainly because it looks like you you have to go holdings for honor, and Crane can get around the the bad gold of the honor holdings with their box. Nobody else has that advantage. And then, of course, they get the extra honor off of the honor holdings once they have their money going. Right. And and we also have the proclaim from Soken. Turn two. Yes. Not every, not every game, but that, you know that that helps a lot. Uh, yeah, and you have a bunch of not well, not a bunch. That's an exaggeration. You actually have some guys who are for personal honor, and then a few other guys who give extra honor from proclaims. And yeah, they're, they're all they're all unique. All the four honors are unique, and uh, there's one five. Yes, yes, but they actually exist. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, Phoenix does have a non-unique five. She Too does. Te- technically, know. yes. No, yeah, and I, well, I, I think if you were playing Honor, you have to play her just because she's a father. No. So, I mean, she counts as a Shigenja, right? So, very weird card. I guess that's one of those you guys like it because people are like, "Ooh, it's non-unique," just like the accidental misprint of our original clan champion. But I. Uh, yeah, th- I mean. It's cute and all, but she's just, I mean, that whole trait thing is just getting around the fact that she's not a Shigenja in a Shigenja clan. She does nothing. She's giant blank nothing that you've paid a, you've paid a giant sum for. 
Yeah, she, she gets you five personal honor and actually yeah. it counts as a Shigenja. Yeah, but basically. So I do, I, I do think Crane are in a pretty good spot. Like I said, they have the only honor deck, which makes it hard for people to meta too much against honor because there aren't going to be anybody but Crane playing that. And if you go off honor, they have what a card I design wise do not like in the form of a Kagi sensei because unlike every other sensei, it essentially has no drawback. It's just, here's some free province strength and a free ability and you lose the part of your deck, you lose the part of your stronghold that you weren't using for this deck anyway. And, and you still get the, the, the better money. It's very, very good. I mean, the only thing holding that back is that you pay a lot, because you have a lot of abilities, you're, you're paying a little bit more on the force side for the, the personalities. This, are you going to comment anything about that crane player? Crane are awesome. <laughs> I've had to rebuild my stupid crane deck like ten times, but I finally think I've gotten where I, where I want to be. <laughs> it, it actually feels very, very solid, and um, seeing Randy's crane deck uh, helped a lot. It's definitely not a copy of that, but I took a lot of the ideas and melded it over, and it seems a lot it, looks, it seems like the best of all of the worlds I was trying to hit before, except for dueling, which I think is terrible right now, unless you're Fallen. I don't know about that, but, but Fallen is fallen dueling is certainly a thing, uh, to, to the point where people are actually considering running and actually running Purge of Fudoism, which, uh, I'll tell you what, is not going over well amongst the Spider players. I, I can't imagine why. Oh, well, uh, um, the uh, Colot Informer actually just they just ran an article where they talked about um, what they had for uh, meta. They had like four or five different choices, and none of them. They're like, well, you can run that card, but really a lot of the time it doesn't hit anything or it doesn't do anything. And there's a lot of stuff that you can do to meta against that uh, to meta against that dueling deck that will help a lot, and that that that, that is actually going to be useful in other matches. Well, I. I think that Purge of Fudoism is reasonably frequently going to do something. It just has the inherent randomness problem. Uh, you know, you might hit a Fudoist Temple, or you might not. Any clan might have a random Fallen Guy in it, or it might not. You know, it's really still not uh, amazing, because you can play... You can play Fallen Dueling with only a handful of Fallen guys in your deck. It's not like, you know, Haruma Nakaru is going to be out tormenting you every single time that it, it flips up. But, but still, you, you've got something. And then there's also Karmic, which I think it can matter more than you might think against. Karmic Strike, yes, against against Fallen Dueling because it when uh, if their deck is really big on the whole, I want to use Haruma Nakaru to nuke you with these duels in my hand, and then he dies. That's not a bad trade. Uh, on the other hand, it's still a bad trade for situations like 
when you get hit by weakness exposed, where you're like, oh, I die and you get bowed. That's not really what I was hoping for. So... It's like any dueling deck. Once you start losing your own duels, you're, you're going to have a very rough time. Yeah, even if it's not a big, huge trade-off, it's basically like you got to, you, you played a Magistrate Falls to say limited kill my guy. I played Karmic Strike to say reaction kill your guy or interrupt well, kill your guy effect. or whatever. Well, I'm, I'm not speaking literally. Oh yeah, no, no. I, I just, well, but but well, but yes, focus effect kill your guy. But but that's yeah. even better because you can actually fish for it from the top of your deck. That can be a little dangerous because there actually are positive focus effects. And it's not like the dual suite in those decks is even necessarily huge. It can just be Magistrate Falls, come one at a time, weakness right. exposed possibly. You know, it depends on... on uh, but th- there are a variety of things. But I, I think that dueling, again, dueling is a thing that you need to be able to to work against. I don't know. There are some other dueling meta things that are I, I don't really like. You've got stuff like Watch Commander, and like those are 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 pretty narrow, and they just get played around. The the armor is probably one of the better things, I would imagine. The armor, or the um, the token, uh, ominous armor. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I guess there is one more than the, you know, it's more than just the armor, but yeah. The downside to ominous armor, again, is that they can just nuke somebody else. I mean, you can still protect one guy, and you're probably going, and ominous armor protects you against more than just dueling. It it stops a guy who's, you know, it stops you from getting shot in the face or, or getting hit with, Touched and death it, or planted evidence or and and it increases your strength, which makes it harder to shoot you in the face to begin with. Yeah, but it makes one guy immune. I don't. I think that's. It's almost like it's generically useful enough that it doesn't seem right hugely specific about falling dueling. But I think dueling is something that you have to be aware of is going to be out there. I don't know that that necessarily means that you need to choose to meta against it. You know, right? You you always have to make decisions about whether or not it's going to be worth it. But Karmic can be a real kick to a dueling deck, but it does nothing in other decks. I mean, it's it's got Karmic. I've really become less entranced with Karmic on Fate cards. It in theory, it's like, oh, this is really neat. I can just psych it away if I need it. But there's not a terrible lot of times I have two random gold to throw away to to karmic something. I mean, it comes up. The the karmic card is likely to sit in your hand for a few turns before it it can get. Well, it, it's also kind of very randomly distributed. I mean, in a lot of ways, basically what they've done is slapped it on uh, meta. So that, you know, okay, we're not going to super combo this card, so it's like, okay, this is just generically useful, and it's a really good meta card. But it's it's meta, and then you can cycle it away if it's not something that you need right now, but they've not really put it on all the best meta, in my opinion. Well, there's a, I think there's a couple of this. One, some of those, like Turtle Shell, are reprints anyway, and so they didn't go 
as far. I know Karmic is a reprint, but I think Karmic Strike has Karmic because the card has the word Karmic, karmic. in the title. Right. Right. You know? Foo, foo rule. Come on. Uh, <laughs> foo rule. Well, Turtle yes. Shell doesn't have Karmic, does it? No. No. No, but I'm no. saying, but that's, a, I think that's a strong, that's a strong meta card and, right. it, but it's a reprint and it, and it did get changed. It stops melees, but. Right. Tur- turtle Shell has the turtle trait. <laughs> by, by the foo rule. Uh, Does it also have the teenage trait? No, no, no but it has the shell turtle? trait. But yeah. thankfully, the foo rule is long gone. What? No. I still remember what was my favorite one of that because the foo rule for those who have not been playing for like fifteen years was that it used to be like if there was a word in the title of the card, then the card had that keyword. So, yeah. well, but my favorite was always the. This targets a dragon card, not a dragon clan card, unless that card is also a dragon. There was a, a number of cards that did that. My my favorite one was that there was, right, if I recall correctly, there was a personality who was a hunter of Nagas. He was a he was Naga hunter, but he was a per, he was a human who went after Naga. So he had to have a trait that said Naga human. hunter is not a Naga. <laughs> <laughs> because yes, the we have would have made him a Naga. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. Um, but so yeah, I think Turtle Shell is totally playable because brains and melee attacks are the other way that you kill guys behind, but other than duels and battle resolution. Oh, I say, take it back. Another th- card that theoretically should be meta against fallen dueling is Nexus of Lies. But I gotta say, I don't see anybody playing except me playing Nexus of Lies. If you're Looking at and considering playing a deck with with Fallen, I think you can almost just ignore the po- almost, but not quite I- ignore the possibility of Nexus of Lies. Well, maybe not ignore it, but you could very easily go through an entire tournament without ever seeing one. I think. I, I think the real the real issue is not issue, but the kind of thing what happens with Nexus of Lies is it stops high honor clans from doing that because high honor clans also tend to have more guys who have. Higher, higher honor requirements. Like you, you can't run that out of crane because you just you're not going to have enough of a personality base to run with it, typically. Yeah. Whereas spider and scorpion are the clans that are generally not they don't care as much about making themselves the honor inherently because all their guys are dashes or most of them anyway, and those clans aren't affected at all by nexus of lies anyway. Yeah. And the nexus of lies is hitting the clan who probably wasn't running the guy anyway it, it's sort of like well okay lion i have a nexus of lies out so that means that you're a koto sudoken the one honor loss card you had in your deck you just don't buy him and i i just think if you're looking for four for fours or the same type of thing you'd probably choose uh prosperous mine because you can actually karmic it or really, you choose Jade Pearl in because it thins your deck. Uh, yes, yeah. The, the reason I play with Nexus is because I am still enamored of the consistency of running all three of those cards. Although it does make your, your gold a little chunky. So, let's see. On on the dueling front, I, I will note uh, Scorpion dueling along with the, as part of the Fallen dueling is, is one of the ways that people do that. They have a lot of high chi guys. You can play a scorpion deck that you can use fallen guys and play with the magistrate falls. You can use some shugenja and play with touch of death. And then as long as you've got a ninja out, which is not difficult, uh, heck, you may have a guy who's both fallen and a ninja and shoots you in the face for six while you're, while he's at it. 
you know, you're going to get the planted evidence for a bigger personality too. So that that is definitely a thing that that Scorpion players are doing. But I was going to say the, I mean, the other sort of designed dueling clan is is Dragon. I have to admit, I mean, right? Okay, we all know I'm a Dragon player, so I probably just falling prey to the usual L5R player thing of not liking my own sort of clan's options. But I I find myself dissatisfied with my personality base. My, my personality seem to, in, in a vague sense, fall into three categories. One, they're Kensei. Two, they want to play with duels. Or three, they stink. That's an exaggeration. I mean, there's guys like Mitsu. I, I noticed there's no Mook option in there, so I guess they all just fall in a I, I, category well, yeah, three. Well, it, I, you know, I mean, that that it's it's an exaggeration. You, I mean, one, you have some unique guys like Tagashi Mitsu who are amazing, so yeah. that, that aren't in... That, but And you've got, like, one Tomori who has a good battle action. It's eight gold for three fours, which is a lot, but there's an actual good battle action on there, which there's a relative dearth of. But when you, when you look at a lot of the personalities, it's it's Kensei, and, and the reason why that's noteworthy is because they're paying for Kensei, right? You've got the, the, the two-force-for-five Conqueror, who would probably be a two-force-for-four Conqueror, except he has Kensei. And, you know, you've got Guy with a battle ability that only works when he has a weapon on him, and, and, and that sort of thing. And that may be because there are actual good Kensei cards, and, and then on the dueling side, you've also got guys who, okay, Miramoto Nakai, that, you know, the, the soul of Miramoto Suge, you have to be playing a dueling deck to make use of him. The soul of Miramoto K, you have to be playing a dueling deck to make, make for, but you can't really play a generic deck with Dragon, I don't feel like, in the same way that you can with some of the other clans that are military-focused, and the Kensei cards have bad focus values, so you can't mishmash them either. It's sort of like, you have to use the weapons, and then you kind of decide, do you go the Kensei route, or do you go the dueling route? And, and you have to use, I say you have to use the weapons, because presumably if you want to do dragon dueling, it's because you want to make use of Hajatsu Sensei to basically turn some of the limited duels into limited Bowagai. I would agree with you on your personality base, actually. Talking as someone who's never really counted myself, as like a dragon or them being one of the clans that I would really play. I sat down to try and make a deck out of every clan, just to, you know, see what was out there, see what's available. And dragon really does, it feels like they have a, they have a super base set personality base, if that makes any sense. Like, because, you know, the base set, they're somewhat limited as to what they can include. And it feels like they just couldn't, they didn't have all that many good options that they could put in there. There's probably too many things that were kind of ranged a little too high. And they had to settle for stuff that ranged a little low. Well, and I I think that a little bit of of what's going into that is that we are there are a number of guys that might be decent, especially several uniques that are from pre Ivory Edition sets. Except they're Kitsuki, and Kitsuki's not a thing this year. Right. So they just don't have a deck. Yeah, that, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, that's the same thing where you've got. Uh, you've got the Kitsune who are in Mantis, but I don't think you have quite enough Kitsune to actually... Or, you know, you've still got some of the ancient, the uh, ancestor personalities, probably just as much for flavor as anything else, since they're trying to go away more from the, you know, here's your strict deck, uh, and more 
So those are going to get Sensei later this year. To- right. Dragon Tomori and Kitsune and Kitsu are all going to get. Now, the, uh, you know, we'll go back to what we were saying earlier with the Phoenix. Those better be some really good Sensei, or they're just going to get steamrolled by Crane Honor anyway. Yeah. I think we were, you know, I think we've discussed this. I, I, I could not think of a time in the history of the game when the I don't gain honor that fast, but I'm really good at defending was the the best honor deck. Kitsune had a pretty good run of that in Emperor Edition, but still the Lion Kitsu was better. I can think of times when there was a time when Lion was the best honor deck, but that deck wasn't so much I'm a really good defender and I'm the best honor deck. It was I'm a better military deck than you and I'm a better honor deck than you. So I'm going to take two provinces and then honor out like I was the unicorn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, because they were the other ones that were like that. Uh, I'm sorry. My recollection was I'm going to take two provinces and then decide if I want the other two or if I want to win by honor. Uh, f- it really fair, depends on my mood. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think Lion's pretty good and, and I, I don't know if they've really, right now, if I had to give a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the has L5R fixed the going first is such an advantage thing, I would go thumbs down, no, they have not. I think that's as much a function of the card base as anything else. I, I think the stronghold, I think the idea is solid. I, I would have to agree that I'm not sure that, like, Unicorn's two flips a turn is really enough to compensate it for going second. I don't think one province strength in Crane is really that much to hold off Lion. Your your average force bump's about two, so it's really, maybe I use another force bump, but I probably wasn't using a lot of those anyways. But it's also that Lion has a very, they have an amazing personality base. Yeah, well, they they have a good personality base, just they get the seven anyway. I'm you know, I, I'm like I look at my strong and I'm like, really? You had to delete a province. Str- I I lose a province strength now for going first. Ah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the I mean, yeah, the lions still have their seven. I like the whole the idea of the going first side and the going second side. It doesn't feel like there's enough of a difference. I think that the crane box is an exception to this but i think that there is not nearly as much as uh, of specific things like matchup specific things about going second like the crane box is an exception because it's very much got the whole oh if i'm going second i still can be able to take the favor and then right. that's a very relevant thing but ironically and i think that this is actually ironic probably one of the the matchups that was most dependent on going first or not is honor. Military versus honor, right? You always are. You're a crane player. It's, it was, it's always been a, a huge deal whether or not you're going second to lion or going first to anybody else when you're a crane honor deck. Right. That was the big thing with the eight honor crane box was that now you're going first against lion. It was, it was one of them, but yeah, that was definitely part of it. But yeah. And, and so. I would have made an argument that the honor matchup or the dishonor matchup less relevant because the dishonor deck tends to be scorpion, which is except which is last to more people. But but for the honor and the dishonor matchups, that is a bigger deal 
in general for who's going first. And yet, for many of the clans, their going second advantage matters the least or not at all against honor or dishonor decks. Right, part of almost everybody's going second advantage is getting an extra province strength, which is completely irrelevant. Like, Spider get their tireless dynasty action to flip up more cards, which is irrelevant because you're never taking their provinces. Yeah. So, like I said, I, I, I think that it may actually be ironic that the, the going second province, the going second boost do least in the matchups where it matters most that you're going second in a general sense. Whereas well, I feel like my cost reduction for going second is not the cost that I want reduced when I'm going second. Well, I think you just have too many costs on your box. Regardless. There's that too, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, I mean, because with Spider, their fear ability does go tireless as well. They get a significant boost of province strength. Uh, the crab boost of province strength is pretty significant. But, right, that doesn't... That, that doesn't matter in the honor. I mean, well, the, and the spider, it's not even, it's not so much right that they get a boost. Like, that's their default, really, is their stuff is tireless. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's true. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, I guess you actually get a penalty if you actually face another spider and roll higher. Yeah, is that almost the mirror, the one mirror where you almost wish to go second? No. No. If I was going to pick one mirror where I almost wish to go second, it might be cra- where I where I want to go second. It might be the crane honor mirror mm. because getting to because then you're the one who gets to control the favor, and that is that is actually a big switch. Yeah, yeah. It's because normally you just want to go first in honor. So I I'm not willing to necessarily commit to that. I actually do want to go second, but that that is one matchup where. Again, like I said, the crane box is an exception to this because they're the actual honor deck. It makes sure that the deck that goes second has a chance to actually hang on to the favor. They actually get something real. They're the ones who have favor control. And when you're doing something like going second to lion, you need that extra plus five because they start higher than you and they're going to be proclaiming guys. <laughs> so, but, but at the same point, it's almost like, it feels like that plus five was really meant to be against Lion, and then it just ends up hurting other Crane and uh, Phoenix if you roll second. Because really what it was, you know, this is just an adaptation. I mean, this is just them uh, adapting to the fact that everybody's going to proclaim once a turn as long as they can. And Lion is it, going to get a plus two or plus three, so you're always going to be behind, and it's not that they're paying any extra for it. They were just going to do it always. I think that's part of it is specifically Crane, but it also it takes the the favor control out of the realm of which what I mean traditionally what often no one had it I mean if anybody had it it would be the guy who went first and so got a jump on honor but often it would be sort of a I'm above on your turn you're above on my turn so neither of us can actually lobby for it yes whereas this so it was definitely you absolutely wanted to go first whereas this in general until unless one player really accelerates the guy who goes second is going to control the favor because that five is enough that for the first several turns of the game, they're just going to have favor control, which lets you at least cycle through a few more cards. Like card, card draws, not that card draw isn't always important, but card cycle is in, enhanced in that sort of matchup because both decks are filled with garbage that is completely useless in that game to throw away for, 
yeah, you, you've got you've got to filter you got to filter down to what you actually need in that yeah, match. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, got to be a small percentage of the deck. I, I had one game playing Phoenix where I dropped Ring of Void against Crane, lost like seven cards, and there was not a one I cared about in that matchup. Yeah, um, I feel like probably what the Crane should have said is you have plus five for honor checks on your turn. Because that's really what it was trying to do. I don't know if they meant for it to block out other honor players at six. Is that really a bad thing that it blocks out other honor players? I mean, you right, that's the whole point. You you are going second. You are at a disadvantage. This is supposed to make up for it. It should benefit you against another honor runner who goes first. Otherwise, they're just at an advantage against you. No, I mean, I guess that's true. It's just the favor is a huge advantage. And I guess you do what you're probably on average going to have three honor that you need to make up at least. I agree with you that having the favor is a big advantage. I just think that you need a big advantage to make up for, for going second. Like I said, that was part of the reason I was surprised when they previewed the strongholds and it was so little. And I, I don't know. And maybe I, I, I could easily be wrong once we get out into some of the stuff. Partially is just that, you know, I, I still sit down with this deck where I have to play attachments. And even with open attachments, you don't really want to open attach. It's it's nice to have the option, but really attachments, part of the, 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 the power of attachments is that it lets you pay on the on next turn for something that you use on next turn's attack. It lets it means I can I can buy all my stuff now and then attach it and, and use it immediately. And if I don't buy something during my dynasty phase so that I can attach a weapon and defend, then I am giving up part of the the value of the attachment so that I can actually mount a, a functional defense. And I still felt completely reactive and and lacking in ways to catch up when I when I go first with Dragon, especially if I'm playing the dueling deck where the big thing that you're doing with your sensei is the sort of like right is is the limited bow guy and they're like whatever you limited bow my guy I don't care I'm just taking provinces before you so we're just trading back and forth anyway but I went first so I'm going to win this game uh, I, I I don't know so maybe I I'm just uh, overestimating that the the other runner the other contender that people seem to have for clan that's doing that's going to do bad is spider. I guess I haven't really seen that yet. I mean, they they go second a lot, and like I said, I still think they haven't really adequately compensated for that. So I think that's out there. I guess there's the possibility if people really do start playing Purge of Fudoism, that's not helpful for them. I still don't know how much that's going to happen, or if that's just going to be a singleton. But it could still cause random losses. I, I do like their... Their personality base, though, I mean, they have the ability to just make a, hey, I just have a deck full of 22 guys that I think are good. And they have one of the only, hey, my box has a battle action on it. Yeah, and I just, I salivate over their, their, like, the three-force guy for four who has a battle action. That's really good. People, I think people underestimate fear. Ranged attack, it is not. But no. just randomly bowing three or four force guys is pretty handy. Yeah. 
Well, and and the fact that you have it on your box means you can uh, run things like um, is it Okura is released? Yes, yes. You can run things like Okura is released, and it's actually you know it's not super terrible. It's not probably not super great, but you can turn you know you can turn your box into kill, and there's there is stuff to stop it, but you know it's not as prevalent because people are going to more be worried about range attacks than they are fear. Oh yeah, no, no, but yeah, right, because there's a stout heart, which is just like a turtle shell, except for fear effects. No one is going to run a stout heart. Nobody. Yeah. The straighten is also going to be meta for fear, but it's going to be stronger meta for fear. Yeah, I don't know how much how much straighten is there. I in most decks that I have seen, I don't know if I've seen more than at most what one playset of straighten cards like. Here's three ritual preparation or something like that, or here's a ring of air and two lakeside retreats. Yeah, well, I've seen probably like two playsets, two to maybe three, but a lot of times when you're like, if you're running extra, it's because you're bowing for your own effects, like the crab follower stronghold. Yeah, uh, or sensei. or I guess if there's more than that, it would be if you I guess if you include fallback in there, which I think fallback was, I think fallback is quite a good card, and I think fallback will get played a lot as. Maybe yeah. only as a two of in some decks, but I I think that it also doesn't hurt that it's a four focus value. And I think sudden movement is probably a little bit undervalued right now, or at least I haven't seen it in a whole lot of decks. But I mean, I remember when we used to play a worse version of that in Samurai. <laughs> but wasn't it Samurai? Or was that in Celestial? I think it was. I think it was the end of uh, Samurai. Is that unexpected something. I'm blanking. Yeah, off. yeah. It was like unexpected. It's not movement because it's sudden movement is the new one. <laughs> yeah, I I think sudden movement, unsurprisingly, is attractive to actually to fall in dueling decks is a possibility because they have big guys and they have not as big guys and it's a four focus value and it's got a focus effect. A good focus effect. Well, yes. Although a drawback of sudden movement, I don't think it's a huge one. And it would really I don't know how much it really matters, but a a small drawback of sudden movement if you're not a dueling deck. Is that I believe it gives the the plus three force to the winner, even if yeah. the winner was not you. Well, I mean, if you're going up against a dueling deck, you, if you're not focusing out for something like Karmic Strike, you probably just strike and eat the action. I think that there are situations where not so much Karmic, because if you have Karmic, well, you just go ahead and focus out. But there are decks that have decent focus values. I think some people will actually just focus out just to see what happens. Right. Or they may decide that they've got some fours in their hands and they're only down by one, so hey, I'm willing to pay my quarter and and take my chances. Although there there actually are a a moderate number of positive focus effects. Uh, you've, You've got sudden movement. You can play with breaking the rhythm. So, you know, there's a danger to focusing out. But, you know, you also might get lucky, and your opponent's focus pool might have, like, oh, they just focused a come one at a time and a weakness exposed off the top. You know, sometimes yeah. it happens. Yeah, well, and come one at a time is a one, so that's, ugh. Yeah, and weakness oh exposed God. is a two, so, I mean, that's yeah. better than one, but... Not, uh, yeah, not I, I still I, I still don't quite understand, I have to say, I still don't quite understand the... um methodology behind duels it still feels a little weird to me it's very thematic but i almost feel like they're i I still want them to remake it somehow because all the good duels all the kill duels especially have very low focus values yes they don't want to make it too too easy i mean i think 
here's I think here's part of the reason to me at least why good duels need to have low focus values. One of the limitations of dueling, one of the reasons you're allowed to have such powerful effects of dueling is that it creates a deck building constraint, obviously. Like you have to make sure that your focus values are high enough. Well, but you don't need to have everything as a good focus value. There is a reasonable amount of low focus values that you can slip in there as long as your focus values are three and a quarter, three and a third, whatever, that's probably fine. If the good duels were fours, that, or even threes, that substantially reduces the deck building constraints on you because now you, if you start with your duels, you've got all good focus values. You've got a lot more room to just cherry pick some of the best actions that might be twos or, or even a one here or there. By making the good duels, or at least a decent number of the good duels, have low focus values, it makes sure that your deck building really is constrained. You can't afford to go randomly run a one or a two, no matter how good it is, because you've already got come one at a time, because you've already got weakness exposed. And if you add in another place out of a one and another place out of a two, that's just too much for your dueling deck to handle. So it, it, it helps enforce that what is supposed to be an inherent limitation of, of dueling decks. At least that's how I see it. I mean, I can understand that argument, but I think, I guess it goes back to just whether, I mean, the whole purpose, the whole functionality of duels right now is that you can lose your own duels, which means they should really be, you know, high reward for the high risk. And there are two kill duels in battle right now and one of them is well technically three and two of them are conditional and one of them is you know terrain potentially good but now that terrains work differently they're they're really not that great on i mean you're gonna get one kill off which is great let's i mean let's be clear about that if you play your come one at a time and it says battle kill a guy and then they play a terrain and destroyed it that was still an amazing action that's I, the that's a great battle kill a guy is a fantastic action. <laughs> it it is, but thoughtless sacrifice in a lot of ways I think ends up being better because you don't have backfiring against you. For the same focus value. Well, yeah, I mean but thoughtless well thoughtless sacrifice also kills your own guy. So yeah. but I think he's a good card. I do I mean I think thoughtless sacrifice is a good card too. But, but with but with uh with come one at a time, you have multiple answers to that card, including Come one at a time. Come one at a time lets you say, you know what, I just need to ditch out right now. Obviously, that's going to be good for the player who's playing it because they need to defend, but with all of the... You also have to be defending by yourself, so you hope that you either have something that's going to stop a sneak effect or that they're not going to just be able to, you know, take you out beforehand. Well, conveniently, you've got a four-focus value card that stops sneak effects, so... Yeah, yeah, but if you don't have that in your hand... Yeah, I think it's probably more naval. I haven't seen a lot of sneak around, although I also have not... I have not seen the quantity of entrenched position. Entrenched seems to not be as strong as I thought it was going to be, or maybe it's just... And so I thought I had thought that Sneak was going to be just unplayable, because Entrenched would be everywhere. And in fact, I don't see Entrenched all that much. 
and it may partially be because people are saying, well, because there's going to be so much thin trench, nobody's playing sneak, and sneak is pretty scarce. And so because nobody's playing sneak anyway, I don't need to play with this entrenched unless I'm playing my defensive crane dueling deck. Because now it's a four and it's a decent battle action and it protects my come one at a time. But to go back to come one at a time, I mean, you say there's a built-in defense to come one at a time in the runaway. But again, that does not stop the first guy from dying. That, that means if your opponent actually uses that, Come one at a time just won you the battle all by itself. You played one card, killed a guy, and won the battle. That's yeah, but nothing nothing compares to that. Battle sacrifice could do the same thing. Well, no, battle sacrifice a guy kills your own guy and kills one of their guys and leaves the rest of their army intact. If I play come one at a time and I just kill their guy, they have to actually have the terrain or some way to, to deal with my guy. They probably do, but that's a resource that they have to expend. And if they don't, now they either have to just hang out and get killed, or they have to run away. And again, I don't think that's going to happen often. I think that come one a time is usually going to be fire and then it's done. But, right. but I think just, just battle kill a guy doesn't get better than, than right. battle kill a guy. But, but. You know, what you what I look at is like towards the end, if they are a smart player, they're not going to leave you a high chi guy that's up when you're trading battle actions at like the last battle. They're not going to leave you a high chi guy that's uh, unbowed to play something like come one at a time. No, you need to do it earlier. Right. But then you have to defend with one guy, which may or may not work. Yes. Well, yes, and and it's a duel, so you have the usual deck building dueling constraints. It's not, you know, it is not a costless. I think it's, you know, it's probably not so much, it's not so much come one at a time in the kill duel low focus. It's just, it's well, maybe you know, this is really for an from an honor perspective, but I mean, it's also from a military perspective as well. I understand they want the duels to cost because they tend to be very strong effects. But I don't know that their effects are actually that strong compared to all the different costs you have to pay for them right now. You have to pay for having your focus values be high. You have to pay for the fact that you could just lose, and you have to factor in that you know there's a decent amount of meta against most of the dual effects that you have right now. To some extent, when you describe it in the way you describe it, I think, well, that's how it should be, right? If you're saying, I don't know whether or not it is or is not worth it, that's kind of where you want it to be. If if duels are obviously amazing and really, 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 really good, given what you have to do to get them, then they're too good. I mean, well, they should but, feel, by the time you add up all the costs and effects and comparisons and whatnot, it should kind of come out to be like what a normal action is. That's that's the goal. Let me rectify that statement then. I don't think dueling is worth the costs you have to pay, uh, especially in an honor deck. And I suspect frequently in a military deck unless you can do it unsupported from focus values like if you can bully duel if you have people that i'm dueling with my champion who has a six so you are never going to be able to beat me because it's a even if you focus a four against your two guy then i'm still going to win even if i just instantly strike i don't know maybe that's just me but like i see how many other useful things you really kind of need to run at a two or at a one and and they don't then care if you're running ones and other ones and twos. You do have to give up some honor cards or not doing what it favors a two. I mean, so 
Favors is a two. Inexplicable Challenge is a two. Imperial Summons is a one. Thoughtless Strike is a one. Um, Hold the Walls is a one. I think that intentionally Crane are supposed to choose, right? Because you guys still have a dueling sensei or something coming, right? Which is kind of terrifying. Uh, Possibly, but I mean, yeah, I've chosen uh, not duels. <laughs> there are definitely honor gain things that are every everything that gains you honor that is not a focus effect is a two or less. That's probably intentional. I get that, but then you also throw things like karmic strike into it, and it's like uh, it feels like the meta is a bit too strong for dueling to be worth the cost right now. I'm not saying that it couldn't turn around pretty fast. I think the personality base for it's pretty strong. I just don't think that actually. But you guys have a number of extremely good uniques for dueling. Well, we have three. Well, I guess four or five with chi values, but still. In our dueling deck, I am not convinced that you should even play with our clan champion. Kind of sad. I think you've got kind of a triple threat with Dragon, as far as like what's happening there. Not, not triple threat in a good way. Like there's, <laughs> there's not strong enough weapons to really make Kensei worth the value. The actions are pretty good, but uh, you know there's just not uh, the ridiculous weapons that there were the last couple of arcs yet. Well, and I don't think that there will be. Yeah. But to some extent, the weapons that seem stronger are the ones from beforehand. Although I, and, and then there's some conflicting there because the, you know, the weapons that aren't just straight up force they don't necessarily combine as well with some of the actions because the actions require you to bow the weapon and i i have to say i have not they're good cards i have not been as excited with uh plus three fours for four gold weapons as i thought i would be because my guys have so few battle actions on them and so now I'm filling my deck up with these weapons that also do not have battle actions. I know Justice of the Crane has a battle action, and it's not like the tireless open on Family Sword is is nothing. But or, I mean, you know, it's not like Battle Range three or something like that. If I if I want a weapon that says Battle Range three, I have to pay five for something that gives me plus one force. Mm. Yeah. So you've got that, and I think you're right on about the the duelists, because the duelists that you do have were either just from older sets or were designed for Katsuki, which is not... They're not going to have force, so they're not going to support a military. And then you have monks who are monks. Again, there's a couple of good uniques, but the man, the the non-unique monks are awful. Well, I, I think that also goes... like I feel like in a lot of these cases, it's because... There's not really a whole lot of mid-range people. You've got people who are just terrible, personalities who are just terrible, and your personalities are absolutely excellent. And excellent ones you absolutely can't put in. But For Dragon or for just personalities? No, well, just, just generally. Oh, I don't... Eh, I think there's... I mean, I think there's a reasonable continuum there. I think I've gone back to looking more at at abilities on the people, too. But there's... You know, there's still three fours for four guys that you're like, okay. The ones where you get really juicier guys that are three fours for four who have any kind of ability, three fours for five who have real abilities. There are just an awful lot of three fours around. Just stuff like range threes and and fear threes are quite effective. And then 
four, I think, is where you start to get have a little bit more inbuilt resistance to things, but there, you're still, you know, relatively close to to getting taken down by, you know, getting force jabbed and and that sort of thing. You may not be able to be affected by a lot if you're like a seven force guy with an attachment, but you can't literally just stand there and, and do nothing. Your opponent is going to pick off your attachment or force stab you or or that sort of that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think Jay has fallen asleep already, but <laughs> well, what, I, what I find you know what I find most humorous about dueling right now is that they give Phoenix some things that look like they like they would try to duel. That's 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 leftover. Yo, Jimbo holdover stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, well, but like a, it feels like, like specifically lot, for it. No, like a lot of the Phoenix cards, it's holdover. It's we've got like three legal legal Asako that are just weird. <laughs> I will say that you've got a lot of four uh, four chi guys, which gave my dueling deck a problem. Yeah, that was kind of funny. I was like, oh, all my really good duelists are threes, and they, they don't work like that anymore. Well, this is not good. Yes, having four chi is now just better than being a three chi duelist. Yes, but we're not really dueling. We're just, you know, spiritual hippies. I have not actually tried to put it together, but if you, I imagine that if you made a Shugenja honor deck, you do not have the focus values to duel. No, no. So, yeah, I didn't think so, but... Anyhow, like I said, yeah, apparently Jay is not quite asleep yet, but we've been talking a while. It's getting pretty late here. I think yeah. we've uh, hashed the dueling out enough between uh, Mike and I for a while, so I think we are going to call this one a wrap. You should be able to look forward to at least one, maybe two more L5R-centric episodes in the next few weeks. And again, March 15th, the Atlanta Cote, you can find information about that by checking out the link at the top of our homepage at strangeassembly.com. You can also visit us at facebook.com slash strangeassembly or at strangeassembly on Twitter. You can directly send me an email, chris at strangeassembly.com. We always like to hear from you in any of those forums so please do get in touch but until then for jay earl and mike cook i'm chris stevenson and you've been listening to strange assembly never stop gaming